0: Stop. is over and we got a football game coming to Morgantown this Saturday West Virginia University will begin the Neil Brown era by hosting the Dukes of James Madison guys we will be breaking down the game this evening we'll be giving you our predictions of what we think will transpire in this game Come Saturday afternoon, Neil Waldeck, Let me come to you first, buddy, because you're the man that knows all the answers about the radio station.
1: Okay, I'll try to answer right. your question. We yet. got
0: a two o'clock kickoff in Morgantown, meaning we will be on the air when?
1: Uh, it's three and a half hours, so we're looking at um, ten thirty, I believe. Ten
0: thirty in the morning. All your pregame coverage with all the guys and girls from MSN by img let me go ahead and introduce you to everyone we already heard from neil waldeck over in studio b alongside of him is kelly gamble and here with me in studio a is aaron host guys are we ready for some football are we ready you better believe i'm ready aaron's been ready since january kelly we are ready to rumble
1: It's football season. It's uh, time to strap it up and let's play some ball.
0: One of my favorite times of the year. Absolutely one of my favorite times of the year. Guys, we're going to talk more about James Madison. As we go on here, here in segment one, we're going to talk more about the Mountaineers. Did anybody watch or see highlights to Miami and Florida in week zero? I watched them both. I watched
2: the other one as well, a very entertaining game with Arizona and Hawaii. Not a lot of defense, but a very exciting game. The game finished, uh, the Arizona-Hawaii game, finished with uh, a play that ended up at the one-yard line with the tying touchdown right there one yard away. So, very entertaining game with that. Of course, the Florida-Miami game, absolutely, it was a good game. And uh, we talked about it last week, Chris, and I I picked, uh, I believe, the Florida win by 11. And you said, oh... You know, a lot of people thought Florida would blow them out. Miami played very well, and uh, Florida pulled it out at the end. Did, did you I think it was, it. Uh, yeah. It, yeah, was it was sloppy? Yeah. It was a very sloppy game. I thought game. the Miami and Florida game was sloppy, and uh, Arizona-Hawaii, again, was a lot of turnovers, and uh, there was with that many turnovers, it was still 45-37, so... <laughs> Uh, actually, they took the starting quarterback out after throwing four touchdown passes, but he also threw four picks. Eh. Uh, the Arizona quarterback. So, just, or Hawaii, just, I'm sorry. Hawaii's
0: quarterback. Just and Hawaii sloppy playing that game. Sloppy play in week zero, from what I saw. Guys, I hope that does not carry over to this Saturday in Morgantown. Now, a couple of things we need to update everybody on is the official depth chart for the Mountaineers came out this week. Uh, some of the things that stand out, of course, Temple transfer, Sean Ryan was granted his eligibility by the NCAA. He will be able to play, and by the looks of this new depth chart, Sean Ryan will be a starter at wide receiver. What else we need to update you on? Von Darius Cowan, the defensive player that we were excited about, is now out. For the first four games, we still do not have many uh, answers, I should say, about the tight end position, Mike O'Laughlin or Javani Haskins or TJ Banks, so that doesn't answer too many questions at the tight end debate. We do know that Josh Sills will be at offensive line. The one guard position is still up in the air. Let's talk about some of these things, guys. All right, uh, Neil Waldeck, going to you first. Let's talk Sean Ryan. He comes in from Temple. He practiced with the Ones all season. Coach Neil Brown said they were hoping to get him eligible because they would have been in a tough spot if he wasn't. Let's turn it over to you looking at this wide receiver depth now that we know that Sean Ryan is available to play. What else do we see here at wide receiver, Neil?
1: Well, I see uh, you've got you've got speed, you've got uh, some height, uh, and then you've got um, Bush who I think uh, will be disguised in many ways on that field uh you know, you see him being lined up in the backfield and then he could be lined up as a as a regular wide receiver so i think that is to help um with other defenses because i think because of his speed and if they don't value that that uh, that could burn them but uh wide receiver wise you know you don't have a lot of experience there though chris and i'm worried about that lack of experience the only person really is Tevin Bush, uh, really, that has seen now Sean Ryan did play for Temple, uh, yeah. give credit. And, and don't forget T.J. Simmons. T.J. Simmons, Simmons him, is on there. Which yes. is a big
2: deal because that height on the outside that he said but, is going to move him inside, move Simmons inside because you want a big, tall, rangy, wide receiver on the outside.
1: But Simmons really was in a main uh, – he dropped a lot of passes last he year. He did. He's going to have to show me a lot this year that he's improved a lot so when you take a look at this wide receiver i still go uh it's it's very weak and very inexperienced in my opinion
0: sam james is the guy they're big on he he's actually going to start over the florida state transfer george campbell at the z position aaron host did you have a a, a comment I, I heard you back there on the receivers
3: well, other than Sean Ryan, and uh, I think Sean Ryan's going to add a great deal of depth that we needed going into this season. That was one of the biggest questions we had going into this season, besides the quarterback position, was whether or not Sean Ryan was going to be able to play. And with him having three years of eligibility, the sky's the limit for this kid. I think he's a guy who could break Mountaineer records. Um, I know the Mountaineers, like you said, are high on other guys, but I think Sean Ryan's going to... Add a different key to this offense that maybe James Madison had not been preparing for up until they heard his waiver was granted. So I think it could make the West Virginia offense a little more volatile. And that's all if Austin Kendall does his part. And I just I think it's going to be a great game with the amount of depth. More depth we have now at wide receivers, and with the plethora of running backs to complement them, and if you can get both of those working, this offense can be a pretty good one under Neil Brown. You saw how it was at, at Troy with him; he's a guy who adapts to any situation that 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 happens. So, if they're not able to get the run going. They'll try to get the pass going. I know James Madison last year, they only gave up over 200 yards, I think, oh, on the oh, run. Oh, oh, no, nope, nope,
0: nope, nope. We're not going into James Madison yet. Just just stick to... Oh, darn. Aaron Host, did you have a, a, a comment? I...
3: Receivers and with the plethora of running backs to compliment them. And if you can get both of those working, this offense can be... A pretty good run under Neil Brown. You saw how it was at, at, at Troy with him. He's a guy who adapts to any situation that 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 happens. So if they're not able to get the run going, they'll try to get the pass
0: going. It'll be interesting to see how this receiving core does. I know you got talented running backs, but it's going to be needed at some point this year. Guys, The the two big question marks that that we know about. Vandarius Cowan is out for 4 weeks. Aaron, have you heard anything why he is now out for 4 weeks? I did not hear why.
3: I think it's academic issues. Academic is the, the, the issues that I'm hearing so far.
0: So with Cowan out, you're going to see Quandarius Qualls who we've been actually <laughs> waiting for to see him play. He's been hurt the last two years. Zach Sandwich will see some more playing time at that bandit position as well. Saw a lot of him last year with uh, Von Darius Cowan out. Now, guys, here here we go. Let's move to the tight end position. Because you get a lot of oars when it comes to the tight end position. Not a lot of oars on this depth chart. But you look at the tight end, Michael Laughlin or Giovanni Haskins or TJ Banks. And this stems from, we don't know yet what is going to happen with Giovanni Haskins. Is he in? Is he out? No word yet. What kind of disciplinary action will be handed down to Giovanni Haskins? So it'll be interesting to see in game one. Now, Neil Waldeck. I know you have still got concerns about this offensive line. Seals has been named the starter at center.
1: Well, Chris, uh, first of all, um, now I'm looking uh, here at their depth chart on tight end, though. And as if you look, there is no or between Mike Laughlin.
0: Okay, and... no, there's not. So
1: no. Mike uh, Mike O'Laughlin is going to be the starter.
0: But you still have Giovanni Haskins listed.
1: It's yeah, Haskins. Getting, uh, Back or
2: they, they did come out uh, and say that uh, O'Laughlin is the starting.
0: OK, so right O'Laughlin so. is starting. Yeah. But why is Haskins still on the depth chart?
2: Uh, because of his pending charges, I guess, as far as his uh, situation of getting in trouble and arrested. And so I think that it's basically, again, they said it's in-house when that will play out and when he gets the opportunity to play. Whether he plays the first game at all, we don't know.
0: But It's uh, still odd. Because usually you have some sort of announcement, okay, such and such is going to be out, like Cowan, who's out for four games. We we know that.
2: Uh, all Neil Brown said was it was being dealt with in-house. We hear that a lot when it comes yeah. to uh, college sports. So what that, uh,
0: what that means, yeah, I guess what, we don't yeah, know. We don't know. <laughs> Neil, okay, moving forward now, offensive line, Josh Seals named starting center.
1: Yeah, and now, see, I do have a concern with that because here's a guy you're taking out of his domain. He is a guard. He plays guard very well. And you're taking him and putting him at your center spot. And to me, I think he would be better suited if he's playing at his guard spot, especially if you're going to run the football so that he can open holes between him and his tackle. But if you take him and put him at the center spot, you're really just snapping the ball. That's basically what you're doing, and blocking the, the nose tackle, but you're not opening holes for your running backs.
0: I, I see it this way. I, I think you have to have a center that's going to be the leader of that line. Who is your most experienced, most talented lineman? It is Seals. Uh, okay, so you move him to center to call the shots. They're, they're still very high on Mike Brown. And he is listed as a starter. The problem comes in and is still remains at the right guard position. And we get another one of those oars in there with John Hughes or Chase Barron. He, he, that, the that's issue, the weakness.
2: The issue with Barron at center was his snapping ability. It wasn't so much his blocking ability. From what I read, uh, he wasn't able to get the snap back to uh, the quarterback. So if you don't have a guy that can snap the ball on a consistent basis, it throws your Offensive rhythm out of whack from the beginning. So,
0: and to, you want a shot caller at the center position. They got to call out blocking True. assignments. They they got to call the blitz out. They got to see all that. And that's why I think you have to make a move and put seals at center.
1: But you're still going to be weak in that interior part of the line with two guards that have not played hardly any football whatsoever. Brown, uh, he just comes out and, and, yeah. and never played high school football and. It joins the team, you know. I mean, uh, he doesn't have any experience whatsoever, and neither does – now, John Hughes may have a little bit, but you're going to be very weak on that interior line. And if you're running the football, I don't see how you're going to run it in between your tackles.
0: Here's the thing, guys. Nobody knows what this is going to look like come Saturday afternoon. I don't think Neil Brown fully knows what this is going to look like come Saturday afternoon. I think this is going to be a game of in-game decision-making. If somebody is not doing their job, and I hate to use this statement because it's a Dana Holgerson statement, it's the next man up philosophy. You've you got to get somebody in there. I, moving s- seals to center is not such a big thing to me as being weak I- at center and another guard position. At least you sew up the leader of that offensive line in Josh Seals. He is the shot caller. He is the guy in charge. He's calling out assignments. And I think he is the guy that has to be doing that. Now, you say he hasn't played center before. Not at the collegiate level. He has. Neil Brown has said that he did play in high school. So it's been a while. And I don't think Neil Brown is going to say, I don't feel comfortable with that. I, I think he is very comfortable with Josh Seals and moving him to center. Our next big debate of this little segment of the show comes with special teams. And here we go, guys. I, I, over the last eight years, special teams has been not up to snuff. Let's put it that way, with the old regime. I think the addition of punter Josh Groden, the uh, Australian-style punter, who had a decent career at LSU, he's a graduate transfer, is going to make a huge difference in some decision-making. Because let's face it, we went for it a lot on fourth down. And in certain positions, now as decision-making comes into these games, are you going to be as apt to go for it on a fourth and short on your own side of the field, or do you punt it and let Groden pin him back? Because we know he can
2: I think that depends on the situation and the, and the game at the time of, and the score. Um, my biggest concern when it comes to this is we know he's a pooch punter, but can he kick it deep? Can he if we're fourth and ten on our own ten yard line? Can he kick the ball fifty yards in the air whenever they call him a specialist, so to speak? And anytime you're a punter, plays kicker, but the other thing is he's going to be our holder, which is vital. Yes. And so you know he's he's got experience there, but my biggest thing is can he? punt the ball deep when needed that's my biggest question mark when it comes to this because obviously he's proved himself as a pooch punter
0: aaron host i know you have some things to say about the punting position the special teams that have been lacking through the eight years here in the past of mountaineer football
3: well, growing up, I don't think Mountaineer special teams have ever been the Mountaineers' forte, so to speak. You've I mean had some guys.
0: Well, I'm not. I'm not
3: saying it hasn't been good. But I mean, even under the Rich Rod and the Bill Stewart eras, when you, you kicked the ball off or punted it you were crossing your fingers that the guy on the other team didn't return it for a touchdown or a decent game. It, it always seems like that is an issue with the Mountaineers. You could have the team almost, the nails in the coffin almost, but yet they get that big return and they're in decent field position. They almost flip the field. And special teams, I believe, is a good way you can flip momentum. You can be down, you could almost uh, be out of the game, but all of a sudden if you get a good punt return, well, your offense is in business. I think the addition with with Growden as the punter, I think it's going to set the Mountaineer offense up well. It's going to be able to give the defense without having their backs pinned against their own goal line. They're going to be able to play. They're going to be able to play more freely, blitz more. It's going. It just breeds success if you have good special teams. I think the addition of Groudon will will precipitate those results.
0: And looking at the return teams, speaking of guys, this coaching staff is very high on Sam James, the receiver. He'll also be returning kicks along with Keith Washington, and Kennedy McCoy will be one of your kick returners this year. Punt returner, only one guy listed, Alex Sinkfield. So that tells you right off the bat, they feel they have something with Sinkfield. And not only did I feel in the past we have lacked on our punting teams, punt return has been a huge issue. Gary Jennings did an okay job in the last couple years because he could actually field a punt. Yeah, field it. We found a guy who could field it. I think going with Sinkfield, I think they Think they're going to be returning some punts, hey Chris? This year,
3: yes. When do you do you know when was the last time WV returned a punt for a touchdown?
0: It had to be during Tavon's era. It was
3: Tavon on November third, two thousand twelve, against TCU. So TCU, I remember seven that day. years. That to-
0: that was the first year in the Big Twelve, mm-hmm. uh, and he also returned kicks. I I can't think anywhere really recently. Have you guys remember a return kickoff for a touchdown? Um, I know we had that one year against Marshall when I Tavon it was, was the there. Guy that
2: just got cut for the Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver um, Gibson. What is it, Shelton Gibson? Yes, I believe Shelton Gibson actually returned a okay. kickoff. I believe against Texas Tech. <laughs> okay, um, um, that, was, uh, uh, that one my slips memory. my
0: mind. I, you know, I can remember Tavon doing it, uh, but I'm pretty
2: sure I, Gibson had a return kickoff uh, for a touchdown in a game. Um, We'd have to look that up. Yeah, we'll have to but, see if uh, we can find it. My <laughs> biggest thing, is, Chris, with this, I think that uh, Neil Brown is going to put more emphasis where Holgerson didn't. Yeah, he is uh, a special just teams guy. I don't think that guy. Holgerson ever emphasized special teams the way that he should um, and probably didn't, and he got angry rather than working on it. Right. And I think that Neil Brown will put more emphasis on every part of special teams.
0: Aaron Ho said it the best. I mean, you can turn the momentum of a game with a great special teams play, even if it's just as little as a punt. You know, that changes field position, can change momentum, everything like that. Guys, it's a full show tonight. We got to tell you about the James Madison Dukes in our next segment of the show. Who are the James Madison Dukes and what do they share or their head coach share in connection with West Virginia University that's coming up next don't forget if you miss any of tonight's show we are simulcasting on the sports roundtable podcast get that wherever you find your podcast we're going to take a short break we're coming back we're previewing the James Madison Dukes and just a few here on the Blitz <laughs> Wednesday of game week. The beginning of a new era in Mountaineer football. The Neil Brown era is upon us. Can't wait for kickoff. Two o'clock on Saturday. Join us for all the live coverage of Mountaineer football. Beginning at 10.30 a.m. this Saturday. With all the guys and gals from MSN by IMG. Wednesday here on 96.7 K-Country, your Mountaineer station where we're talking the Mountaineers and the James Madison Dukes. Guys, who are these James Madison Dukes? Well, it's one of those FBS versus FCS games where the FCS team is getting paid a lot of money to come here and play the Mountaineers. But I am telling you right now, the James Madison Dukes are not looking for a paycheck. They are looking for a W. They will not lay down. They are the number two preseason team in the FCS. Most people have projected them to win the FCS championship once again this year. They have done that twice in 2004, which was the first time that the Mountaineers faced the James Madison Dukes, we did beat them that year 40-13, to 41-13. But that was a much different Mountaineer team. We knew a lot about that team, led by Rasheed Marshall. He took us to the, uh, the Orange Bowl to Florida State that year. Then in 2016, Mike Houston shows up. And he wins the whole darn thing in his first year. 2016, James Madison wins the FCS championship. They won the conference championship in 2015, 16, and 17 under Houston, who is now at East Carolina. He was hired away, losing in the second round of last year's playoff games. We'll get more into that here in a second. And in comes first year head coach, C- Kurt Signetti. Now, guys, what is the connection? I've been teasing this all day. If you do not recognize that last name,
2: I'm the old man here. Chris, you are the old man. Go ahead, on Old Mountaineer Field. As a young boy, with a friend of mine whose dad, uh, Yerp Galuski, and Frank Signetti was the head football coach at that time at Old Mountaineer Field down on Stadium Loop, and uh, Kurt Signetti was a backup quarterback Mm -hmm. under Oliver Luck, like third team. And I have his autograph. Really? Uh, Where it's at, I'm not sure. But he was uh, a lot of the players I had. And that was back in the Daryl Talley day, Dennis Folks. Uh, So I had uh, a lot of the Todd Campbell was a nose guard. Threw football with him. But Kurt Signetti actually signed one of the autographs uh, playing for his dad, Frank Signetti, in 1979.
0: 1979 was Frank Signetti's last year. Don Nealon comes in in 1980. New Mountaineer Field is erected. A lot of people will tell you, even Don Nealon stated, that if it wasn't for Frank Signetti leaving the program in the shape that it was, he would have never got as far because he left it in a good place.
2: Yeah. I mean, that was Oliver Luck. Oliver Luck was there with Daryl Talley, Dennis Folks. There was some talent on that team. Daryl Miller, wide receiver, that had a big game against Oklahoma in 1981. So there was a lot of talent on that team.
0: Now... Here's the thing, will there be a little bit of motivation for Kirk Signetti to come back to a place where his dad got fired from, he stuck on as the backup and graduated? Wouldn't it be something in his first year, first time head coach, to roll into Morgantown and upset his alma mater that fired his dad? Absolutely, he has motivation. That is huge motivation. You're always digging for a story in the media. But that is. That's a little side story in this matchup. Guys, this team is so good. James Madison is a good football team. They're projected to win the FCS this year. You told me earlier, Aaron host 20 out of 22 starters return on this team. Now their leading receiver from last year will be Sus- out. Su- su-
2: yeah. Suspended.
0: Suspended oh. for what? Did whatever. you look at their scores from last year? No, I didn't. Their first game
2: they put up eighty. Another game they put up seventy five. They beat East Carolina, who Houston is now coaching by twenty last year, thirty four fourteen. North Carolina did put it on him pretty good, but NC State only beat him by eleven the last game of the regular season
0: and you look back at this team's tradition, they are not going to be scared to come into Morgantown. They beat Virginia Tech in 2010. They went nose-to-nose with NC State in their place last year, was only down four in the fourth quarter, and NC State added a touchdown late to win by 11. This is a team that will not be intimidated coming into Mountaineer Field. Aaron, you heard the stats on the defensive coordinator that they brought in this year from Maine. Did you hear that stat?
3: One of the stats I heard is the last time they allowed over 200 yards from last year's team, of course, he wasn't, was against NC State. And that was the only Mm -hmm. time last year they gave up 200 rushing yards. So
0: the defensive coordinator that they brought in from Maine in the (laughs) FCS last year was the number one defense in FCS giving up an average of 79 rushing yards per game. Their defense is talented and deep. Their offensive line is talented and deep. Quarterback.
1: Well, Chris, uh, Chris uh, they, they are deep, and I agree with you. They do have experience, but then you got to remember they also got a new head coach, so they're learning a new okay. system. So okay. So my question would be, is are they as good as what everybody thinks they are because you got a new head coach we have a new head coach too right so you know i mean so both teams let me ask are going you this neil transition
0: okay they're they're going through transition let me ask you this neil if you are coming in with all the depth that i'm talking about offensive line still good you decided to go with ben DiNucci as your starting quarterback who was there last year let him into the FCS playoffs you got this talented defense. Are you going to go in and change everything as a new head coach?
1: You know, I I wouldn't, but I don't know what their coach. Is. You know, he may decide to do that, but I, I, you know, do they
2: have a new offensive coordinator?
0: New offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator.
1: So you see so you have two. You got new coordinators there. So you know, it's it's going to be still learning process for those young men out there.
0: Here's the thing: I don't think they change much from the old regime. I think they go in and tweak some things to make it more their way. I don't think as a coach of anything, unless you're absolutely crazy, if you got so much talent and so much depth that are used to doing one thing, why would you change it? I don't think they will. I think this team will be very similar to what they did last year.
1: So if they stay the same way, then Neil Brown can look at the
2: old tapes and he's got a real good eye what he's going to be looking
1: Neil at.
0: Neil Waldeck, you're not buying the hype here, are you?
2: No, I'm not. We're, yeah. we're going with the talent. I think he's saying that the talent that they have, no matter what, yeah. they're putting it back on the field with experience. So. And okay. That, that, I don't know. I'm, I'm anxious to see it. I'm, just, I'm ready. I think it's uh, – I'm ready to watch it right now.
0: Iron Hoster, are you buying the hype that West Virginia is in for a struggle? In the first game of the new Brown era, are you kind of like Neil sitting over here going, it's just another FCS team?
3: With the Mountaineers' record against FCS opponents, I am that that's the one. It's one of the optimisms that I have towards this game, and we got to remember WVU is preparing with a newer, new, new crew as well, and we got a very good guy and a defensive coordinator that is one of the best in in his history as a defense coordinator in Vic Koning. So I think the Mountaineers will be prepared just as much as James Madison is. I don't. Get the hype as much. I do think it will be a close game, but I don't see the where Mountaineer fans should get super scared for everything. They're an FCS team for
0: a reason. So we got two people in the room right now that are saying it's an FCS team. Basically, you're agreeing with Neil. Yeah. More on this. It's an FCS team. Doesn't matter how good they are. Well, West I didn't, Virginia should I didn't roll. Say
1: that. What I'm saying okay. is, is they've got they've got great depth. They've got great experience. I'm with them on that. But they brought in a whole new coaching staff. You have a new defensive coordinator. You have a new offensive coordinator. That changes a lot, especially when you get used to someone, That especially the seniors who have worked with a coach, and then all of a sudden after the fourth year, boom, they're gone. And now you have this new guy coming in, and you're going to tell me that they're going to keep everything the exact same. I don't know if I'm buying all that. And I'm just saying that they're going through more. Tra- they're going through the same transition that the Mountaineers are. So I don't see them coming in and being like this dominant um, FCS power team, even though they ranked them number two. But uh, I, I have my I have my questions. I have my doubts, kind of.
0: Now, Aaron Host posed a question earlier to me. Ben DiNucci was named starting quarterback for James Madison. Okay, he was there last year. Now, this new coaching staff does come in, and he waited to the same day that Neil Brown named Austin Kendall the starter to name their starting quarterback. Do you think that plays into why you're thinking this a little bit? Well, I think the coaching staff at James Madison is
3: evaluating what they have as a team. Granted, they did bring back 20 of 22 starters from last season, so I think they're evaluating wh- how they fit into their scheme because we've got to be honest, Ignatius not going to – just copycat off uh, off of the coach I was there from last year. He is going to change some things, so he's evaluating how those players adapt to that situation, just as Neil Brown is. So that's the reason he waited so long. And the fact that Ben DiNucci got lit up in the game against Colgate, throwing five interceptions, it makes you wonder, is he deserving of that starting spot when you may have two other, two or three other guys that are hungry for the same spot?
0: Kelly Gamble, you're being very quiet over there. Um, He's a
3: deep it,
1: thought. Is
2: this kid a transfer from Pitt, the starting quarterback?
0: I don't believe so. No. I know. Uh, I
2: thought I saw somewhere where they had a transfer that from Pitt that that name sounds very familiar it, to he, me. But maybe. I, again, I have, I, I I have, have not
0: seen if he was. I know he started at James Madison last year. Okay. Now, and I will tell you this another thing about this team, they not only do they recruit very heavily in the Virginia. South Carolina, Maryland areas, they also scalp, uh, go in and get transfers from the FBS programs that might not make it. Nine, nine transfers from FBS programs will start for James Madison on Saturday.
1: And Chris, uh, let me remind you, they got they lost their two leading rushers from a year ago. So they got some inexperienced backs in the backfield, hey! their top receivers not even going to play in this game. And you're going to tell me they're going to come in and roll right in. And then they waited until the week of or the week before to name their starting quarterback.
0: Kelly, I'm going to ask the same <laughs> question that I asked, and he's shaking his head. Yes, Ben DiNucci is a transfer from Pitt. There you yes. go. Yes. That is interesting. Arduzia. There's another connection <laughs> to <laughs> Mountain Air football right there. And
2: fellow transfers also against fine homes, but Ben Denucci uh transferred from Pitt.
0: Ben Denucci from Pitt. Okay. Now I'm going to pose the same question to you that I just posed to Neil. People are thinking this is going to be a struggle. You you've heard that throughout different media outlets. All week, this is going to be a struggle for West Virginia. Is it a struggle? Is it a powerhouse FCS team, or is this just another FCS challenger that West Virginia has won? It never lost to.
2: I think it comes down to the personnel that we have. I do think that James Madison has a great team. I looked at scores from last year. North Carolina last year wasn't a great team, but North no. Carolina put up 56 points on James Madison. So I want to believe that the Mountaineers, again being a D1 team, being at home being in that new excitement and the aura of Mountaineer Stadium, uh, I'm going to, without giving up my score right now, I will say that I believe that West Virginia wins by two touchdowns, but I do think it, hmm. it may come down to the fourth quarter before we get that two-touchdown spread. So
0: okay. that's where I'm going. Okay, okay. I, I've got another interesting question for you guys coming up in segment three, kind of based on score. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll talk about that more in the third segment. Uh, Neil, you spoke of the running backs. Now, they did lose both of their 1,000-yard rushers last year. This is a running football team. They will have a running back-by-committee system that will feature four running backs, three juniors and one freshman. So, yes, maybe not as experienced, but you do have a very experienced offensive line, and you have three juniors running behind them.
2: And and the question is, will that receiver, the suspended, make a difference? I mean, he was their leading receiver. So, I mean, I think that helps us.
0: We will give you our picks coming up in segment four, our picks segment. Make sure you stay tuned for that. Remember, if you miss any part of the show, you can catch us all week on the Sports Roundtable podcast. You can check it out on our website, kcountryradio.com. You can find it at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and most places where you find your podcast. We'll be back after a short break on The Blitz. Welcome back, everybody. It is segment three of The Blitz, and that can only mean one thing. We let our old school radio DJ, he he likes spinning the tunes back in the day, he miss, misses doing it dearly, Mr. Neil Waldeck. Your song of the day. I can't hardly wait, wait to hear what you have for us this week, James Madison Dukes. I guarantee you, we're getting something with well, some sort of theme here. You're
1: right, Chris. Yeah, I had to. You know, I had to really think about this, and then I, I said, there it is. That's the song, and it's Duke, Duke, Duke. Duke of Earl, come on, everybody's got it, yeah, we're gonna take Duke
0: down, we're not playing Duke, we're playing James Madison, but they are the Duke, we're gonna take the Duke down, but Neil, this song is talking about the Duke of Earl, not the Kurt of Duke, just take the Earl part out and just go with it, you know?
1: I thought it was pretty clever myself.
2: Didn't the Dixie uh, Chicks sing sing
0: some song called Earl?
1: And they you know what they Earl. did with him, didn't you? They did.
0: But <laughs> it had nothing to do with the Dukes. So see we we've uh, gotta clarify. Off, off I'm sorry. This has nothing to do about somebody called Earl. <laughs> this is supposed to be Maybe there's a about coach on the coaching Duke.
1: staff that's Dave Earl.
0: It's not Kurt Signetti.
1: Well no, it's not him, but There's probably an assistant somewhere.
0: Boy, I I cannot wait to hear what you have next week for the Missouri Tigers. Hey,
1: you never know what I've got up my sleeve.
0: The Neil Waldeck song of the week is The Duke of Earl, originally sang by Gene Chandler.
1: Gene Chandler. Sang that song?
0: Had to be somewhere in the 50s. Had to be. Duke,
1: Duke are going down down
0: oh my going god down. neil stop 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 singing we can't do it we can't do it welcome back to the blitz everybody this is a football show not um neil waldeck playing dj even though we let him every yeah. once in a while because it's entertaining to me. me do that Chris. <laughs> Also alongside us tonight, Kelly Gamble over in Studio B, Arian Host here in Studio A. I'm your host, Chris Westfall, previewing the James Madison Dukes. Guys, we got into a little debate there earlier, and I want the debate to continue. I'm going to pose another question to our panel here. A couple of them, actually. Let's start with this one, and we will go to Neil Waldeck first. Everybody in the media and, and people talking think this is going to be a close game. Some people even have the Mountaineers on upset alert. Now, we were talking earlier in the show, is this a tough game, or is this just another FCS school, and we're trying to build this up into something it's not. So, I'm going to ask you, okay, you picked the Mountaineers to go 7-5, and five. Five. Kelly picked the Mountaineers to go five and seven. Aaron has them as high as eight and four. And then I was the low ball at four and eight. So I guess I'm going to pose this question to Kelly Gamble. Let's do it this way. Yes, let's go to Kelly Gamble first. Kelly, you said the Mountaineers earlier you think the Mountaineers will win this game by fourteen points.
2: You want the prediction?
0: No, I don't want that right now, but you said earlier that's what you thought, about a 14 points. Let's say the Mountaineers come out and just put a woodshed whooping on this James Madison team. Let's say West Virginia comes out and wins by three or four touchdowns. Does that change your perception of the season?
2: Uh, It does not. Uh, As of now, now, Neil and I was just talking about this prior to your question and I think that now the second game, if they come out and beat Missouri by two or three touchdowns at Missouri, then maybe. But until then, no. I think the Big Twelve is tougher this year than it was last year as a whole. Uh, I think as of now, I would still pick. Even if they blow them out, I'm still staying with my same five and seven as of now. Each week could change that right. mind thought but, process.
0: But no matter really what happens in this game, this no, one don't not move, at this move the time needle. For me.
2: No, I, I still okay. think that there's a possibility. And again, I know I'm looking back, and it's not always about comparison. But North Carolina again. At North Carolina, which wasn't very a good team last year, beat some fifty-six to twenty-one or something of that nature. And uh, so, no, I, you know, North Carolina didn't have a good year after they, okay. you know, defeated uh, the Dukes handily. So, so
0: I, I think you're also on on the bandwagon that this is just another FCS game. Where I'm not. I think this is a struggle and a fight to the bitter end. I I really do. I I think James Madison is a good quality Like I said, I don't think
2: that we win by two touchdowns, maybe the late, because I think that our personnel, again, is inexperienced as well.
0: What I'm saying is if West Virginia, because Neil asked me this earlier, if this would move the needle for me, and I think if West Virginia comes out and lays one on these guys, wins this game by three or four touchdowns, it changes my perception of this team. Because I would feel like they beat a halfway decent team. This isn't just like some random pushover. You're paying a check to get them to come in here and just lay down for you. I think if you win this game and win it big, I think my perception of this team changes a little bit.
2: I want it to change mine. Okay. I, I want it, I want, but you're, a waiting again, mine, your fan. you're waiting for week two. Uh, you're
0: yeah, waiting for needle. week two to move the needle.
2: I mean, no, it depends. I mean, if we lay an egg... Then you know, I mean, I could think. Well, you know what? Now maybe we're we're going to be lucky to win maybe two or three games. And that was your original pro- projection was two and ten.
0: Yeah, originally so, I'm up to four, but we'll, we'll see. This, this one could move the, the move it for me a good bit. Aaron Host, I'm going to ask you this question first, okay? And a lot of quarterback talk. Austin Kendall named the starter of this team. Do you feel that Austin Kendall? will play the majority of the game on Saturday? Will another quarterback play? Will all three quarterbacks play? And do you think Austin Kendall will be the starter all the way through the season?
3: I think Austin Kendall will be the starter for the majority of the games, and this is all contingent upon how they play this Saturday. If Austin Kendall gets off to a shaky shaky start, you're going to see more Jack Allison and Trey Lowe. But if he gets off to a hot start where they go straight down on their first drive and drive it in for a touchdown, I think that's going to change the whole game plan for Neil Brown, and you will see less of them quarterbacks. Do I think you'll see those quarterbacks in some situations? Yes, but it's all contingent upon how the game is played. Like Neil Brown said, he's going to put guys in situations where he thinks the team that's going to best suit the team in that situation. So unless Austin Kendall shows him a reason not to, I don't think you will see the error quarterbacks as much other than Austin Kendall. And I think Austin Kendall should start most of the games this season. Not all. I think he'll start most. More <laughs> than nine.
0: Neil Waldeck kicking it over to you on this quarterback talk. Austin Kendall named the starter of the team. Wh- where do you think we go from here? First off, let me ask you this. Do you think he plays the majority of the game on Saturday?
1: I do, Chris. Uh, because why? Because he named Kendall his starter. And I think that he wants to get a flow with that offense. So the only way you're probably going to see either Allison or Trello maybe be on a, a maybe a goal line situation. But other than that, I don't see a whole lot of it. Because I think he wants to get chemistry. If you're gonna, if you're gonna put um, Allison in or or Lowe, then why didn't he say I haven't made a decision? So we'll play all three quarterbacks. But he said Kendall's my man. He looked good in practice. He looked good in the scrimmage. I'm going with Kendall, and that's who he's going with.
0: But he also said. Don't be surprised if you see Trey Lowe. Before I get into it and get my two cents, Kelly Gamble, Austin Kendall, is he truly your starting quarterback? Is he the man, or is this still up for debate as the season moves on?
2: I think he's the man unless there's injury, but I also think that there could be certain packages that you put in Trey Lowe. I don't know that Allison will play as much. I mean, I know that he's listed as number two. Um, he may give him an opportunity at times, but I think there's special packages. That's just my thought process. I don't know that for sure, but I think that Trey Lowe, you may see special packages where he comes in and possibly runs a little wildcat, little uh, maybe a little option, uh, run pass, you know, the old uh, RPO run pass option type situation. But uh, I don't think we see Allison as much as we do Lowe if there mm. is another quarterback that comes
0: in. I, I, I think you're the same, and I'll, I'll get to that on the second. But here's the thing, guys. I want you to keep in mind. Neil Brown, at Troy, used the three non-conference games to get guys experience. I don't know if he is completely sold on Kendall. I think all three quarterbacks play on Saturday. I think you might see them start to windle down as we move through the out-of-conference games. But I, I, I think you might see all three guys play this Saturday. And I'm with you on Trey Lowe. I think Trey Lowe gets special packages made for him throughout the year. And I think you might see some special packages with Tevin Bush on the field and him at the same time putting Bush in the backfield, putting him in at receiver, running option with those two guys. I think you could see a special package designed for that. Again, my opinion, only time will tell. Defensive debate. Okay, We saw another defensive player, Drayshawn Miller, will not play. Yes, he's another young guy. I've said throughout the course of the preseason, I think the defense will improve and will probably be the part that keeps you in the game. This new defensive style under Vic Coney, Neil Waldeck, what do you think... About this defense. Are they a hindrance for this team again this year? Or are they better under Vic Koning and this new system?
1: I like the defensive system. But here's my issue that I have with it. You have an inexperienced uh, secondary. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to play a lot of man-on-man coverage. More so than what you did last year when you played the 3-3-5. That's the whole idea is not to get burnt on the big pass play even though we did quite a few times, but a lot of times. Uh, I was going to say, that's I mean... what that's for. But now Koning is going to be bringing these linebackers, they're going to be flying, you're going to be playing man-to-man, and you're going to expose those young secondaries uh, back there for the Mountain I, I don't think it, it's run. so
0: much that he, he wants to leave his defensive backs on an island out there man-to-man. I think he wants to blitz to give that quarterback less time. And that was the whole problem under the Tony Gibson scheme. They had
2: way too much time. They had
0: way too much time. You give a big 12 quarterback five, six seconds to throw, it don't matter how good your defensive backs are. They're going to pick them apart. They're fast. They're speedy. Those receivers are going to eventually get open. I, I don't think it's so much, I'm going to leave my secondary on an island out there. I think it's, I got to give that quarterback less time to react and make decisions. And read my defense. Uh, That's what I think it is. Guys, we got to get to another break. Don't forget about the podcast. We are simulcasting on the Sports Roundtable podcast. Coming up in our next segment, we are going to make our selections for the biggest games in college football. Don't forget, we also will have a bonus segment tonight that you will only hear on the Sports Roundtable podcast. More details about that coming up next on the Blitz. Something we hope we're all singing by the end of the day on Saturday. West Virginia. John Denver, Country Road. Welcome back to the Blitz, everybody. I'm your host, Chris Westfall, Neil Waldeck, Kelly Gamble, Aaron Host. Getting ready to make our first round of picks for this season. Guys, we're going to call this segment the Pick Six segment because we're going to pick six games. And then on the podcast, we will pick five bonus games that you will only be able to hear on the Sports Roundtable podcast, so make sure you check that out sometime during the week. Our defending champion, Neil Waldeck in Studio B. Kelly Gamble came in second place last week, last year, I was third. Aaron?
3: I was somewhere at the bottom.
0: Oh,
3: I was <laughs> last. That's why, that's yes, why
0: you you were. you were. You were at the bottom. You were in the cellar. Okay, guys, we, we kind of talked about what we were playing for last week. I don't know if we've ironed out all the details, but we will see. We're, we're playing for some sort of dinner, and here we go. Let's start Thursday night. Neil Waldeck, I'm going to come to you first. UCLA traveling to Cincinnati. I want you guys to remember that UCLA is under second-year head coach Chip Kelly, who hosted Cincinnati last year in his first year and totally got trashed by that team. Cincinnati's Luke Fickle, man. Ten-win season last year. A lot of talent left on that team. Pick wisely. Neil Waldeck, your turn.
1: I like the Bearcats in this matchup. I like Cincinnati uh, to uh, knock off the Brewers uh, Bruins in this uh, matchup here.
2: Kelly. Revenge. I'm taking the rich tradition of the UCLA Bruins going into Cincinnati and getting revenge.
0: You disagreed with Neil?
3: I, I told you we never actually compared everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's rare. Aaron
0: hosts UCLA Cincinnati Thursday night.
3: I think Cincinnati's going to win it. Luke Fickle was a candidate for the WVU spot before Neil Brown came, so I'm picking Cincy.
0: Cincinnati wins a close one. I'm going Cincinnati by a field goal, guys. Kelly Gamble, only one taking UCLA. Let's go to Friday night. We got some Big 12 football as Oklahoma State Mike Gundy, who still hasn't named a quarterback, will travel to Oregon State to take on the Beavers. Kelly Gamble.
2: Oregon State has struggled. They lost their big play man. I'm going to take Oklahoma State.
0: Aaron Host. I'm taking Oklahoma State. I'm gonna take Oklahoma State, but closer than some people think. A lot of question marks in Oklahoma State. I'm I don't have them fifth or sixth, probably sixth in the conference, but I will take Oklahoma State. Neil Waldeck.
1: I'm with all of you. Cowboys all the way here.
0: All right. Let's move to Saturday evening on the ACC network, 730. Virginia will travel to Pittsburgh to play them Panthers. Neil and I talked earlier. Guys, this might decide that division of the ACC. These are the top two projected teams in that conference. Aaron Host, I go to you first. Virginia and Pittsburgh. I'm still a West Virginia student, so
3: my allegiance is to West Virginia, and I will not pick Pitt.
0: I usually wouldn't pick Pitt either. But by goodness, I'm going to pick Pitt this week. I think they beat Virginia. Neil Waldeck.
1: Yeah, I'm with uh, you, Chris, on this one. I like uh, the Pitt Panthers in this matchup over the Cavaliers.
0: Kelly Gamble.
2: Only because they're home. I'm going with Pitt
0: as well. Pitt. So we got Aaron Host going out on a limb with the Cavaliers. Sunday night, man. This is the game I've been waiting for all season. Really has been. Can't wait to check out old Dana in his new Houston garb as they will travel to Norman, Oklahoma to face the Oklahoma Sooners, a team that Dana Holgerson has never beaten. As a head coach, will he this year, Neal Waldeck?
1: Uh, it's Oklahoma all the way. They're they're going to dominate this game, and Holgerson will suffer his first loss as a uh, Cougar.
0: Kelly Gamble. I agree. Aaron, you're going to go out on a limb here. Bold prediction, right? Dana Holgerson will
3: start his career at Houston and one
0: Okay, I thought you were going to jump on the Houston bandwagon. Guys, I've got Oklahoma by 35, and I'll be disappointed if they lose by one point less than 35 in that one. I I just hope they stomp them a good one. Monday night, we get the number nine Notre Dame fighting Irish traveling to Louisville to take on the Cardinals. Notre Dame coming off that season in the Final Four last year. Disappointing performance. I I don't see Notre Dame making it back to the playoffs this year, but I do believe they will beat Louisville. Kelly Gamble.
2: Notre Dame in a blowout. Aaron.
0: Aaron. Notre Dame. And Neil.
1: Yeah, the Irishman.
0: And that brings us to West Virginia, James Madison, Saturday, 2 o'clock. Make sure you catch all the live action on 96.7 K-Country beginning at 10.30 a.m. I am interested to hear the picks here, guys. Neil Waldeck, I go to you first. James Madison taking on West Virginia. Give me your pick. Give me a score of the game.
1: I'm going with uh, West Virginia in this matchup, and I'm going to say West Virginia knocks off James Madison 27 to 16.
0: Okay, so you're you're still saying it's going to be close, even though you think James Madison is just another FCS team.
1: It, it'll be close, yeah. Little but,
0: hypocritical of you there, Neil. But
1: I still think West Virginia dominates.
0: Dominates in a nine point win. Okay, moving on. Kelly Campbell, like James I said, I think Madison, West Virginia, West Virginia. pulls it out? Uh, by two touchdowns, West Virginia
2: 31-17. Ooh,
0: higher scoring game. Okay. Aaron Host, West Virginia. James Madison, first, you going to the game? I am going to the game. I already Good got job. my tickets, too. Good it. job.
3: All right. Who's going to win? I believe West Virginia's going to win. I have not seen this much excitement for a whole opening game against an FCS opponent since I oh I can't remember. So I think West is going to win. I think they're going to win by about 10. I'm going to say 24-14.
0: West Virginia is 19 and 1 against non-conference in non-conference home games in their last 20 tries. Last losing to LSU back in 2011. But they've 19-
2: never lost to an FCS school.
0: And have never lost to an FCS school. They're not going to lose to James Madison. However, I do think this is a close football game that goes into the fourth quarter. I have West Virginia pulling away in the fourth quarter. to to begin the Neil Brown era. Guys, we're going to jump over. We'll be on the podcast for our five final picks. Stay, well, don't stay tuned on the radio, but make sure you check out the Sports Roundtable. We'll talk to you next week on the Blitz. And for everybody listening here on the Sports Roundtable, you are hearing our bonus picks. For the week, the first full week of college football, glad to have along beside me, Neil Waldeck, Kelly Gamble, and Aaron Host. I hope you've enjoyed the Blitz. Now let's pick our final five games in our bonus coverage. Guys, let's start Saturday afternoon at noon, where Mississippi, Ole Miss, taking on Memphis, traveling to Memphis. Neil Waldeck, Mississippi, Memphis,
1: Uh, I like uh, Mississippi in this matchup, although I think uh, Memphis will give Mississippi a game.
0: I do, too. I I think it's going to be closer than some people would think I got Mississippi winning by a touchdown. Kelly Gamble.
2: Memphis impressed me last year, but I still got to take the SEC. Mississippi.
0: And Aaron Host. Mississippi. Mississippi. Moving on, the Belk kickoff game going on down in Charlotte. What a game to have in Charlotte, North Carolina. You got South Carolina coached by Will Muschamp and the debut of Coach Mack Brown in back in North Carolina. North Carolina did not have a good year last year, going 2-10. and 10, Ended up firing their coach. They bring in Mac Brown. Guys, I think North Carolina is in a very similar situation to Kansas. They're at the bottom right now. They don't have enough dudes to compete this year. But look out, they will be turned around. I'm going to take South Carolina in a blowout. Neil Waldeck.
1: I agree with you. I like the uh, Gamecocks in this matchup.
0: Kelly Gamble. I agree. And Aaron host. South Carolina will roll. Guys, this next one is a tough one for me. Uh, and this could be the game of the week that nobody may even watch in this area because it involves a Midwest and a Pac 12 team. Big 10, Pac 12, 4 o'clock on Fox. If you got time, check it out. Northwestern travels to Stanford out on the farm, the 25th. Ranked Stanford Cardinal. Kelly Gamble, I go to you first on this one. Northwestern or Stanford?
2: Uh, mainly because it's home. Because I, I've always liked Northwestern and Stanford, and they're similar schools, uh, but Stanford.
0: Aaron Host.
3: I'm going to have to go to Stanford. They're playing at home. Neil Waldeck.
1: I'm looking at the Cardinals here,
0: too. Guys, i tell you what. Northwestern is an interesting team to me. I think they will win their division... Of the Big Ten. I think they'll play Michigan in the championship game at the end of the season, and I believe they will beat Stanford week one and jump into the top 25 and kick out Stanford. Going to Tallahassee, Florida, 7 o'clock on ESPN. Boise State taking on Florida State. Everybody knows the situation down there at Florida State. They're still having quarterback controversy. Is Boise State going to be the giant killer that they were in years past? Neil Waldeck, going to you.
1: No, they're not. Uh, Florida State here.
0: Kelly Gamble.
2: I don't think Boise State. I think they've lost a little bit of luster. Uh, Florida State.
0: I will take Florida State as well, but they still got a lot of mess to clean up down there. Aaron Host. FSU will win. And probably, guys, the, the game that everybody will hear the most about. It's the most intriguing game between two. Top 25 teams, number 11, Oregon, and number 16, Auburn, down in Arlington, Texas. Top 25 matchup, Kelly Gamble (laughs) picked Oregon in his top four. Hey, Kelly Gamble, I want to remind you about last year. I picked Washington in my top four preseason. Didn't happen, and one of the big reasons why is because they ran into Auburn week one. You game, I remember watching it. You sticking with Oregon? You like I, them still? I am.
2: You can't go against it. I mean, if they're going to be in the, the playoffs, they're going to have to win games like this. So if you're going to be the best, you've got to beat the best. And that means going into the SEC uh, prime time and taking down the Auburn Tigers. So I'm going to take Oregon and, uh, and believe that they are going to wipe the slate clean this year and end up in the top four.
0: It's kind of a measuring game for the Pac-12 like it, it was last year. Can they compete with the big boys in the SEC?
2: Usually I say no because the defense of the Pac twelve reminds me of the big twelve, but I really just think that they that the quarterback is very Mm. special at Oregon and I I just feel that they're gonna they're gonna outscore Auburn in this game.
0: They're already projecting him as the number one draft pick for next year. Neil Waldeck will stick in studio B your thoughts on Oregon Auburn, number eleven versus number sixteen.
1: Going with Auburn here. I like Auburn in this matchup. I think they squeak out a win over Oregon.
3: And Aaron Host. If this game was played anywhere else but Arlington, Texas, I think Auburn would win it. But with it being more of a neutral site, I'm going to have to go with the Oregon Ducks. Since Kelly did pick him in his Final Four, Mm.
0: and I saw how good he was last year, I'm going to have to stick with the Ducks. All right. So we got two Ducks, one Auburn. Let's split this one, guys. I'm going with the defense from the SEC. I think Gus Malzahn even though they just signed him to that huge contract a couple years back, he's got to do something. He's got to do something this year. Fans would not be happy week one if Gus on and Auburn loses to Oregon. I'm going to stick with Auburn. Folks, that is our show for the week. I thank you so much for joining us on the Sports Roundtable podcast. Make sure you check out another exciting episode of the Blitz Sports Roundtable podcast simulcast. Next week.